Well, welcome back to Linux in the Ham Shack, everybody. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and over there in the corner would be Russ. Say hello, Russ. Hello, Russ. And hello, Richard, and everybody else in the chat room, and everybody who's listening. All righty. We had a really great time last time around uh, doing that uh, live show, interacting with the folks in the chat room, and just generally cutting up. We will we'll probably do that again in the future, because... Uh, I enjoyed it so much, I can't hardly stand it. I couldn't even keep from talking about it on the other show. Uh, those of you who haven't downloaded the other show yet, go get it. It's fresh off the presses last night. How things been going up there in your world, uh, Russ? <laughs> things have been going pretty good here. I'm really busy these days, and uh, we're recording a night early, actually, because I'm going to be gone the rest of the week. Other than that? He's trying to keep up with the show. You know, Russ is so poor that he he can't afford to he can't afford more than one computer and you know laptop. Out of bounds of reason. Uh, we're gonna have to loan him a, a a big chief pad and a number two pencil. But while we're <laughs> well, while I'm thinking about it, let's say hello to the folks in the uh, in the chat room live with us right now. There's Cheryl Cheryl Jones. That's uh, Russ's lady, and. Uh, Sooner or later, we're going to have her checking in with the call sign. KB3CDA, Tony, yeah, Tony, and KD7ETH, Lee, I didn't call him Keith this time, and WD4BOB. Bob just recently did a, a article over at his blog site about Crunchbang Linux on his triple EPC. So uh, y'all might want to go on over and check that out. You can uh, ought to be able to find a link to it pretty quick over at uh, Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm sure we'll uh, we end up giving it out anyway. I've got it somewhere. Ah, WD4BOB.com, I think. I'll look it up. Anyway, I'd also like we'd also like to say hello to the unidentified you streamers out there. We have four five one eight five seven six seven five seven three eight nine seven and seven nine five zero. We've said hello to the live folks in the chat. Occasionally we'll get uh, distracted and go off and say something to them, but y'all don't worry about it. In fact, next time, y'all join us in the chat room. So let's move on to uh, feedback. You know, uh, unfortunately, y'all caught me with my printer down, so I don't have any feedback in front of me, so I'm going to have to let Russ carry the load and make witty comments while he reads them. So what do you got on that end, Russ? I have um, a couple of things. We don't have too much as we're only a week away from the last release. Okay, I do have one comment that came in on the Linux in the Ham Shack website, and it was from Alex, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but his call sign is OZ9AEC, and his comment was, A live video show about Linux and ham radio? Awesome. Looking forward to the next live show. Well, it turns out he's not here for the next live show. Maybe he'll show up a little bit later. I'd like to see him show up in the chat room if he's not already, if he's not one of the miscellaneous U-streamers we've got right now. This isn't really uh, feedback, but I would like to recognize VK7AX down in New Zealand again. No, it's Tasmania. That's it. Because he is continuing to rebroadcast our episodes, he most recently rebroadcast uh, episode number seven, and I think that's cool. I hope he continues to do that. I'm not sure why he's picking on us, but I'm happy about it. 
Oh yeah, I'm glad they're re- they're retransmitted down there. I'm I'm glad the folks down there in Tasmania are listening to us. Like I said um, earlier, a few shows back, we've uh, we've had folks uh, we've had folks listening down in Tasmania and uh, the southern end of Australia to the other show for quite a while. And the fact that they're uh, they're taking our audio and using it for the purpose for which it was intended makes me really happy so y'all keep up the good work down there just don't forget to tell folks where you got it all right and i do have something else this is a this was an email that came to me from ronnie k4rjj and that's a call sign i don't recognize so that new listener sounds great and he emailed me and said if you plan to go over compiling from source could you make the program example zaster that's uh, X-A-S-T-I-R. I've tried several times with no real success to get Zaster up and running. The package that Ubuntu has does not work, and even though they seem to know it has many flaws, no one will change it. I think if someone shows us newbies how to set up Zaster in a step-by-step manner, either by source or even better by CVS, we will gain more converts to Linux. Oh, and I've tried several times following the directions on Zaster.org and other sites... I've done the cut and paste on the important commands, but something always goes wrong. Love the show. Thanks. And that's from Ronnie, Kilo 4, Romeo, Juliet, Juliet. One one of the things that we run into with uh, APRS and that uh, Zastar or XS, I don't know. Anyway, APRS stuff is the fact that it does use a part of the AX25 packet protocol and packet. I have been delving into mysteries of packet radio on Linux for about five years now. And unfortunately, everything that I can find as far as information on getting it working is 10 year, 10, 12 years old. And that's definitely not going to help us out with this new stuff. What I really need to do is sit down, crack the books and see if we can't uh, get that going on. Compiling it for the sake of compiling it, we can do, but we can't guarantee that it's going to work or know that the compile has gone successfully if you can't run it. We will keep everybody updated on that. I know you, you're wanting to run APRS. Uh, I've got a project here. They're wanting us to run some APRS out at the uh, rodeo bike ride here in a few weeks. I will look into it and see uh, see what I can get going with that. Well, I was going to say that I had played around with it today just because I got this email and I was looking at it. And I tried to install the package version of Zaster on Debian, not on Ubuntu. And the Debian version works perfectly, as far as I can see. And then I downloaded the source package from the Zaster site and tried compiling it. Now, I did have a few problems getting it to compile at first. I was missing a few dependencies, but after that I got it to work. And it had a little bit of flakiness even after I did get it to compile, but it did work um, both ways. And I didn't check the Ubuntu distribution, so there there may or may not be a problem with Ubuntu's package. I didn't get a chance to try it. But we can do a formal you know, how-to, or I can do like a supplemental video on how to uh, build Zaster, and also do it via CVS, which is a topic that's probably a little advanced for Linux in the Hamshack uh, as a general release. So I may do it that way, but uh, he also did comment that he loved the show, and we appreciate that. Always appreciate the props. Thanks very much. And so hopefully we'll 
Here's some more from Ron K4RJJ, and I will see what uh, Richard and I will see what we can do about uh, showing you how to compile Zaster. Well, let me throw in before we move on that uh, my experience with trying to get things going in that direction has been with SUSE and uh, Mandrake, and as far as Ubuntu, I Ubuntu, I haven't actually had an opportunity to attempt it using that. Debian, on the other hand, it's my understanding that AX25 is turned on in the kernel, so you don't have to go back in and recompile it, which can save you a lot of work. Yeah, we will definitely look into it and have some sort of answer somehow really soon. So what else you got, Russ? As far as feedback's concerned, that is all I have. I had to kind of dig around for that. There were a few other comments on the BlackSparrowMedia.com forums. They weren't specifically comments on Linux in the Ham Shack. Maybe we, I'll go through those, and uh, if they turn out to be relevant, we'll hit them in the next podcast. Yeah, definitely we're going to gather those up and uh, get them all in there. Um, things have, I've been getting a lot of messages over at Black Sparrow Media, not only in the Linux in the Ham Shack forums and in the forums for the other show about an unrelated issue to this particular program. So uh, we'll weed through those and see what we can come up with. Without having anything to rant about this time, I, I'm sure I had something to rant about, but I can't re- quite remember what it was at this time. Unless Russ objects, I guess we'll just go on and uh, grab a break, and when we get back, we'll talk a little bit about CrunchBang Linux. I have no objection to that. Feedback was a little bit light, but that's good. That means we get some music in a little bit early, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a new lightweight Linux distribution that seems to be all the rage these days. So we'll see you in a minute.
sure can pick that music i'm i'm glad he's doing it because otherwise y'all have to listen to all that old bluesy stuff and whereas the guys over at the other show like it i think we have a different crowd over here all righty we'd like to welcome uh wd4bob uh bob he's uh he's come by to visit with us a little bit while we talk about talk some about crunch buying linux hello bob how are you this evening i'm doing great guys how are you guys doing Doing good. Oh, we're we're doing fantastic. In fact, we got seven or eight of them in the chat room. Y'all all wave at Bob. <laughs> I see him out there waving. There you have it. All righty, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about CrunchBang Linux. Uh, Russ has had a little more time with it, and Bob's here because he's uh installed it and running it on uh one of those little netbooks. I I like him little things. They're cute. He's going to give us a little insight on that. So, Russ, I'm going to throw it over to you and let you start off, and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Well, if this were a debate, I'm going to be taking the con side of Crunchbag Linux, and I was really hoping that I would like it and like it a lot because everybody seems to love it. But I'm going to have to be its only detractor. Uh, Crunchbang is interesting as far as Linux distributions go, however. It's based on a minimal Ubuntu install. Um, and it's uh, based on uh, Intrepid 8.10. Basically, they have created a system where they take out all of the fluff and use uh, Open Window Manager instead of something heavier weight like GNOME or KDE. 
Uh, stick it on top of Ubuntu, throw in a bunch of applications that you're used to using, and call it a Linux distribution. From what I've seen, it's pretty easy to navigate. Um, I'm not real thrilled with it. I'm going to get a little more in-depth into what I like and dislike about it, and I think uh, I did an actual install as well as run the live CD version, but Richard, I believe, has just run the live CD version, and I believe, uh, Bob, you did both, right? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got it installed on two machines, and uh, I play with it on a couple other machines with the live CD as well. Okay, well let's uh, let's let Richard talk about his experience with it first, and then we'll get to Bob, and then we'll get to what I don't like about it. So go ahead, Richard. Well, as everybody knows, I'm always running behind. I'm even when I'm on time, I'm late. And uh, today I've been running around trying to get caught up on some of the stuff we were going to talk about today, and I only had time to run the Crunchbang Linux on a couple of machines. So what I did is I loaded the live CD in my AMD uh, e-machine over there. It's uh, I believe it's a Duron running about 101.2 gigahertz with uh, uh, gig of memory in it. Fired it up, ran just fine. It was kind of uh, kind of memory hungry, but live CDs are that way. Um, now I'm sitting here looking at it. It's running on my laptop, which is also an AMD. Uh, it's currently not re- utilizing the 64-bit processor in this machine. It's uh, AMD Turion. The fact of the matter is, it's got a gig of memory in it also. And uh, yes, this thing in live CD, ver- the live CD version is a memory hog. But it's my understanding that once you get it installed, it takes up very little room. One of the things I do like about it is the fact that it's got a very, very simple user interface. I'm one for uh, the simpler, the better. Some of the most important uh, stuff that you need to get at, the terminal, the web browser, file manager, are right at the top of the menu. On the, All you have to do is click anywhere on the screen, and you can bring that, uh, bring that menu up. Then it has a more standard menu, menu a little further down. Drawback for me is the fact that it's black and white. I have a little catch of colorblindness, which is just enough to irritate me. It doesn't make me not be able to see colors, but it makes it hard for me to uh, see the contrast on stuff. And the black and white screen, it really doesn't work that well for me. Now, the fact that it has Conky running over on the desktop, which will show you what's going on with your processor and disk usage and your swap memory and that kind of stuff, is definitely a big benefit where I'm concerned. I'm looking forward to installing this on uh, one of my machines and running it that way so that I can uh, more fully check out what it has to offer. But like I said, this is a good one because it's light. It probably runs better on the lower-end machines. We do our best to build our machines up. We're in the habit of doing that because most of us at some point have run one of those top-heavy operating systems. And I'm not going to say which one's the top-heavy operating systems. Please see third-party libraries from the last show. So that's a little bit of my input on uh, on Crunchbang on the two machines I was able to run them on today. Bob, what's your experience been on the uh, Triple E? Well, on the Triple E, of course, uh, when I first got it, I was looking for a Linux distro. A few of them that were out there I tried, and they just I didn't like the desktop user interface and what have you and uh, kind of stumbled across uh, the crunchy version of Crunchbang and installed it. Myself, I kind of like it. You know, the one thing probably, it's probably not a newbie-type distribution, 
Uh, you know, you install a program, it doesn't automatically show up in the menu. You got to go in and uh, uh, modify an XML file, which is fairly simple to go and do. To go and add the executable to get the program up and up and running, so it'll show in the menu. But I like having that kind of control and, and having programs land where I want them to land versus just landing somewhere in, into it. Um, but with the Crunchy version, of course, with the unique hardware that they use in these little netbooks, they, they're using the Array kernel, which has been optimized with all the different modules already in, into the kernel for all the hardware that's uh, on, on these. And uh, it was the first one that I was able to go and install, and without a hitch, everything seemed to work from the you know, the wireless, the sound, everything seemed to work uh, fairly well on it. Um, and again, being a lightweight distribution on the low power of these netbooks, uh, it seems to be like the perfect distribution for it. Uh, I can imagine somebody running a, a older hardware, this has got to be a good distribution for that. Found it to be very stable. Uh, and of course, being a Ubuntu-based distribution, of course, you got access to, I think it's what, 24, 25,000 different programs that you can download and uh, play around with it. Uh, I even went and installed OpenOffice uh, 3.0, and that loaded up real quick with it. Uh, so everything so far and all my experiences with it has been uh, pretty good. You know, uh, it seems to be very stable, and uh, I've been able to figure everything out on it so far. Well, okay, yeah, uh, I've been wanting to get my hands on a AAA, and uh, I'm still going to do it somewhere or the other if I have to if I have to kill somebody to do it. Of course, I'm backed up on getting hardware taken care of anyway. Okay, Russ. So, uh, dislike. Did you like anything about it? Well, it's not that I dislike a whole lot about it. It just, for me, sort of sits in between what I would like in a graphical distribution and what it actually provides. The first thing I noticed about it is that it has a throwback window manager. It is lightweight, and I'm sure it's a great thing as far as uh, EPCs and netbooks are concerned. The problem with it is I'm a command line guy, so I like to have real control of the operating system, and that's fine. But once I get into, if I'm going to bother dealing with a graphical environment, I want a graphical environment that really makes things easy. I don't want to have a flashy command line, essentially. And that's what CrunchBang provides you. I have a few specific concerns about it. The shortcut keys are interesting in that they give you access to a lot of the um, things that you might use a lot. The problem with them is they use the Windows key. There's not a real problem with that, except that it assumes that you're using a Windows keyboard. Open window interface is a lot like uh, throwback window managers, like from Solaris. It looks a lot like Solaris. Everything is a uh, right-click context menu to open things. There's no convenience start button. And again, some people may favor that, but personally, if I'm going to use a graphical environment, I want the thing to be easy. Um, if I want to get down into the CLI, I'll get down into the CLI and do things, you know, like edit text files and stuff like that. I don't necessarily want to be doing that inside my graphical environment. So that's where I find that CrunchBang's halfway between what I like in the CLI and what I would like to see in a graphical environment. Personally, I like the dark theme. It's it's hard to find distributions that deal in dark themes. CrunchBang pulls off its theme pretty well. All the applications are readily visible. Window decoration is extremely minimal, but... CrunchBang's 
GUI environment is very minimalist anyway. They do throw in some interesting applications, some that I haven't heard of but actually like. Uh, the default mail client is Clause Mail, which is a, a really good client. It, it looks really sharp and it's easy to use, which is great. Um, when I installed the logging applications we're going to talk about, I had to go in and edit the menus. That's something that Bob brought up a little bit ago. And uh, I didn't have a problem editing, you know, using the menu editor. It is lightweight. It is very fast. Even as a live CD, I found it very fast. Of course, I was running my version in a virtual machine, so I wasn't running it on real hardware. Even the live CD was very fast. And, of course, the installed version was even faster. As far as that goes, it's all good. But it is definitely not for the newbie Linux user Anyone who has trouble installing programs or has had difficulty in the past with installing Linux will definitely not want to dive into CrunchBang. People who like more control and want more hands into the system will probably like it a lot. And I had some issues with the install procedure, but I'll get into that after we go back to the other guys and see if they have anything else to add. Well, you know, I just wanted to add myself that, uh, you know, looking under the menu and unlike some of the other distributions, looking at the menu, uh, most of the things that are installed, even on the live CD are the things that I use most. Uh, we get to looking under the internet, Firefox, Mail, uh, Gpotter, that they've got Gpotter installed, a BitTorrent client, Skype, Gwibber, a few tools, uh, under graphics, you have quite a, uh, <laughs> Quite a selection of stuff under graphics, even though for the most part, uh, I use GIMP and that's about it. I am kind of, I understand why they went with Abbey Word instead of, uh, uh, one of the other word processor, pro- processor programs, but I, I never have been a big fan of Abbey Word. Uh, under sound video, uh, you've got several media players and, uh, several programs, including the Cheese webcam app and, uh, Audacity, which is, uh, uh, Audacity I use quite often, but, uh, try, can't get cheese to work. One of the, I stepped down, I started on KDE and have moved down to GNOME, and that's what I use regularly now. And, uh, you know, a lot of times for me, uh, less is better, especially on a laptop or something like that that I'm gonna take out and use, use for, uh, D-Star Digital or programming my radios out in the field or, you know, uh, running digital modes into an HF rig or something like that. So, uh, when I look at a distribution, you know, I look at it from both directions, whether I'm going to use it just in the shack or out in the field. Uh, this one is definitely a field distribution. Definitely. Uh, it has potential for, uh, in the shack because being, de- being Ubuntu based, that means that there's a huge collection of applications that you can add to it kind of defeating the purpose of making it fast and light but if you have to have a certain application it's nice to be able to get your hands on it bob you got any more comments on uh on what's going on with the triple e no it, it uh just is it's just a real nice minimal uh distribution uh myself of course i've been uh, using linux since uh, i guess red hat 5.2 days uh, so some of the programs are things we've used in the past, uh, and of course things, some things have matured a little bit. But uh, I mean, it is for somebody who likes to have some control of what's going on uh, and doesn't mind, uh, you know, getting into the CL, the command line. Uh, myself, I've 
found it to be extremely stable and not eat up a lot of system resources. You know, these EEE PCs, they, they only come with a gig of RAM. And, of course, originally I was going to go and upgrade that to 2 gigs and have not found a need. Uh, everything seems to run very quickly on it. Uh, the other laptop I have it on, which is a, more of a high-end gaming-type uh, laptop, it's a Gateway FX7805U, uh, which has got 4 gigs of, of uh, RAM in it and a gig of video. It's, uh, it flies on that machine. I mean, so if you got newer hardware, it will absolutely fly. Um, but it is, I think it's a great little distro if, for somebody who's been using Linux for a while, and particularly if they have some older hardware. I'm glad you said older hardware. I've got some machines over here that since uh, Ubuntu went from 804 to 810 have been uh, not wanting to uh, take 810. What I did want to ask, though, is how how did the installation go on that AAA? I can't remember if it was when I was reading your article. I saw you were using U-Bootin to... Uh, get it loaded onto your triple e or something like that how easy was that to get it on there um actually it was uh fairly simple i did i downloaded the iso and then used uh unet booting to get it onto a flash drive because of course these ee pcs don't have a cd drive in them i'll tell you after after using it you you not booting a few times i gotta say that's going to be the way i'll install just about every distribution because the, the the installation time is, is very, very, very quick, much faster than it is on a CD. But it went off without a hitch. I mean, everything was very smooth. It took probably all of 12 minutes from start to finish uh, to get everything loaded up and installed and uh, getting back to uh, a, a login screen. So it uh, went uh, very, very well. Yeah, you net booting. I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, sometimes my, my mouth gets in the way of what I'm saying. Okay, well, I mean, it's pretty easy to install there. I'm not so much uh, on, don't know so much uh, how it's going to go over here. I do have a, a laptop over in the other end of the house. It's kind of low-end hardware I'm going to give it a shot on if I can get uh, Dell to release the uh, passwords to me. But that's a whole different show, I guess. So, Russ, uh, what was your experience doing an install? Well, my experience with the install was pretty good. But again, it's one of those things where if you're new to Linux and you just want to get something to install, you definitely don't want to use CrunchBang. It requires special effort to get it installed. Uh, With the netbook, UNetbootin was used in order to get it to install. In the case of my installation, and I was just doing it on a virtual machine on another Linux machine, it's a two-stage process. What you have to do is you have to download the CLI version of Ubuntu Intrepid 8.10 and install that, go through its install process, and then once you're done with that, you have to download the CrunchBang install script and run it. Now, it seems pretty straightforward, but unfortunately, the script has some questions that it asks you, just like the installer does. But the CrunchBang script doesn't give you any hints. And uh, it asked me a few questions that a novice Linux user would not know the answers to. And one of them was about key signatures on packages. And it assumed a default that would break the installation process. It wasn't necessarily the easiest thing to get through, but again, I think we've all sort of agreed that CrunchBang is not for the you know the uh, novice Linux user anyway. So as long as you have some Linux experience and don't mind playing around a little bit and dealing with an install process that's not as simple as throwing a CD in and away you go, 
then it's just fine for that. You know, looking at it from the perspective of a novice user, CrunchBang is probably not something you want to go with, probably a two out of a five. For somebody who's looking for remote use, laptop use, older hardware use, and actually has some Linux experience, they'll probably find it to be a four or maybe even a five out of a five experience. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess we're all pretty much agreed on the fact that it is not for the faint of heart, not for the uh, the new folks. But we have to put some content in every once in a while for the folks that are a little more advanced or uh, some night we may end up here by ourselves. Well, all right. Uh, one thing I do want to say, uh, I forgot to mention about running the live CD earlier. My AMD machine over there uh, has an NVIDIA chip on the board for the video. And one of the things I found interesting is I was able to install the uh, the driver for the video even on the live CD, install it into the memory so it would run. On this laptop, it came right up without any problems at all. So, uh, Bob, do you have any final thoughts on CrunchBang before we move on? Yeah. The one thing on the, the install, uh, Russ, it sounds like you went with their very minimal with the script to do the install. Um, if you download the ISO for the live CD of the version that you want, whether it be their standard, their light, or their EE version, you don't have to go through all that. And it kind of goes and installs as uh, any Ubuntu-based distribution, just quick and goes right through it. So, But, it, again, I, I do agree that uh, it's not, if you're a first-time Linux user, it's probably not the distribution for you, and it's more for somebody who likes to get their hands a little bit dirty and that. Uh, and play with it a little bit. I would like to point out that uh, Conky, while it's an interesting application and sits kind of nicely nested on your desktop, does cause some interesting problems if you actually resize your screen a little bit. There are probably ways, I'm sure there's a way to um, edit the way it looks on your desktop, but if you expand your screen, where Conky sits changes, and sometimes it's in places that are not particularly convenient if you're not using a smaller screen size. So just a point about that. All right, Rush, you got anything else before we go to break? No, I'm not going to say any more about CrunchBang. I'm not going to disappoint any more people because all I've heard is good things, and I am sitting over here thinking I shouldn't be negative about it, but it does have its flaws. But for a light, you know, fast, easy, not necessarily easy to use, but uh, interesting Using different window manager and dark themed distribution, CrunchBang is the way to go. Alrighty, well you know Russ is Mr. Gloom and Doom all the time. No, actually he is Mr. Sunshine all the time. Every time I talk to him, I don't know what that's all about. Don't worry about it, Russ. Doggone it. <laughs> and any hate mail goes to Russ. That's K5TUX at BlackSparrowMedia.com. All right, well let's uh. Hang it up for some music. We'll come back on the other side, and maybe Bob will sit around for the next segment. We'll hit some logging applications. Till then, sit back and enjoy. Let's go. Where you love me, I could 
find the confounded button we could get started with a whole lot less problems all righty we pro we uh promised y'all some uh, login software this time around uh we searched the web uh around the world and and up your street and uh attempted to find some decent login software for you there is uh they're quite actually in all seriousness there's a lot of great uh login software out there unfortunately with the time that we have here, we're only going to be able to tackle a couple of them, but uh, we will get back to it. Well, let's see. What we got, Russ? We got CQR log. We've got uh, YKF, YFK. We got something that Pete and Paul suggested, and uh, TLF log. And I guess we'll let take, Russ take the lead on this because uh, I was in the middle of working on CQ, CQR log when. Uh, when uh, I discovered that I had been caught with my facts down. I'm going to finish checking that out while Russ talks. Go ahead, Russ. All right. Well, I'm going to do a little review here of YFK log, and this is a logger that came up in episode number 11, M3PHP and M0TZO uh, suggested we take a look at it. And YFK log is named... Uh, for the call sign of its creator, its creator is Fabian Kurtz, and his call sign is DJ1YFK. Now, you can find YFK log at 
HTTP colon stroke stroke FKURZ, that's Foxtrot Kilo URZ dot net stroke ham stroke YFK log dot HTML. Now, the one that I downloaded is ostensibly the current version, which is pretty old. It was released back in January of 2008, and it's version 0.3.5. This is an application that you have to compile. Well, I say compile. You don't actually have to compile it. It's written in Perl. But there is an installation procedure. It's not included in a Debian or Ubuntu package. So you do have to download the source, which will give you a bunch of uh, Perl scripts and some information on how to get them installed on your system. It went pretty well for me. I downloaded the package, untarred it into a directory, and did the basic procedure where you uh, type make install, and it copies all of the Perl scripts to where they need to go on your system, and then you type the application name, which is YFK, and it should start up. Now, for me, it didn't. The reason it didn't is because I was missing a few Perl dependencies. The ones I was missing were the ones that had to do with connecting to the database because YFK log uses a database backend and the Perl packages dealing with curses because YFK log is a curses based terminal application uses console graphics. So I had to install the Perl packages for the database connection and for curses. And in the show notes, I will put the names of those Ubuntu slash Debian packages that you should install if you actually want YFK log to work. Now, YFK log actually has a couple of different options for backends. It can use MySQL or it can use SQLite. If you don't want to go through the effort of installing and configuring MySQL, go ahead and use SQLite. That's what it defaults to. It's a lot easier because SQLite just uses files for storing all the backend data. You don't actually have to run a database server. The advantage to running a database server is you can have centralized database for YFK log if you want to do that. But basically, once you start YFK, it will bring you up to a configuration screen. The navigation of the information screen and the configuration screen is fairly simple. You can use tabs, spaces, and your arrow keys to move around. You basically enter your call sign, your default modes of operation, whether you're going to use SQLite or MySQL, and a couple other pieces of information, including your location, what bands you operate on, Latitude, longitude, these are all things that you can set if you need to or want to. You don't have to. It will work without them. Once you've done that, it's already stored in a configuration file in your home directory called .yfklog-config. You can actually go in and edit that manually if you like, or you can edit it through the YFK GUI. It's all pretty simple. The color scheme is a little obnoxious. It's uh, lime green on sky blue with yellow highlights. Didn't actually see that there was a way to change that. You just have to cope, I guess. Uh, the main keys you want to remember to use in uh, YFK Logger, F1 is the backup key that makes you go up a menu level, and Y12, which is exit. It'll usually get you pretty much out of everything. 
Richard or Bob, do you have any experience with YFK Log? Or? Well, actually, to tell you the truth, uh, we were discussing it earlier before we started the uh, started the program. Uh, I tried in vain for uh, quite a while this afternoon to try and get YFK Log installed. Now, uh, one of the problems is that I am not the, the Linux guru that Russ is. So uh, I gave it a shot. Uh, attempted to get the dependencies installed. For some reason, I could not get the thing to install and run. Now, I had no problem, um, un, uh, extracting it from its, uh, from its, uh, archive file, getting it to go, but, or getting that put in the directory where it needed to be and finding the uh, required dependencies and getting them to come on down. But unfortunately, like I said, I'm not the guru Russ is and uh, there may be an issue with Ubuntu. Uh, he runs Debian over there. Ubuntu is similar, but not exactly the same. So that may have contributed to it also. So as far as YFK log is concerned, I'm going to go back and attempt it again. Unfortunately, if I can find, I've gotten to the point nowadays, if I can find something that's graphic as opposed to something that uh, looks like a DOS program, I try to go that direction. However, uh, looking at the information on it, it appears to be a really great logging program. Uh, Bob, have you had any experience with YFK log? No, I sure haven't. Uh, when it comes to logging programs, uh, I would definitely uh, be, be the wrong person to get too much information from. Uh, I haven't uh, used too many, if any, any at all. So, Well, that's okay, because we got you hanging around just so we can ask you questions like that, Bob. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, this is a test I didn't study for, so. <laughs> well, there you have it. That's Bob, y'all. W W D four B O B, and and we just we're, we're poking fun at people on Linux in the ham shack, but that but that's okay. As far as YFK log is concerned, uh, jury's still out on this end on it, but uh, Russ feels it's it's a good one, so I got to go back and give it another try. All right, well, let me go ahead and wrap this up. I don't want to ramble on too long about YFK Log. But once you do get it installed and do the minimal configuration you need to get it started, you go into the logging mode, and what you get is basically a simple screen that you input the data for your log contacts. You enter a call sign. It fills in the date and the time on for you. You'll enter the time off and it defaults to your specified band and mode, which, of course, you'll have to change if you change your band and mode. gives you an option for putting in your QTH, the name of the contact, whether you've sent or received a QSL, your um, signal report for receive, signal report for send, comments, and your power output in watts. And it logs everything instantaneously when you hit F2, that's the save. Um, all of the function keys that provide your functionality are listed across the bottom of the screen. And you just go ahead and log. It's very simple. You can switch between fields using uh, space or tab or your arrow keys. And it's, it's very easy to navigate, very easy to use. It has some neat features, even though it's a curses-based program, which Richard doesn't like. It, it does look like a DOS application. It runs in a terminal window. One nice thing about that is it's very lightweight, and you can run it in an X-Term on a remote machine without using up a lot of resources. Some of the things it can do are import and export 
database records for your contacts using the standard ADIF format. So you can bring logging information in from other applications and send it to other applications that use ADIF. It has a latex plug-in so that you can print nice-looking QSL cards for your contacts if you don't have them already pre-printed or uh, just want to use your application to print the QSL cards. It supports logging to the ARRL's logbook of the world. It provides some basic rig control using Hamlib. I'm not sure what control it provides because I don't have Hamlib. And I was actually running this on the installation of CrunchBang that I did today. So I have it running under Ubuntu, essentially. And there is some integration with FLDigi. And that's another thing I didn't explore because I didn't get a chance to get FLDigi installed under CrunchBang. But there is some integration for when you're actually using FLDigi to be able to log contacts to YFK log. So that's a great feature. I think that's pretty much all I got out of it. I don't think there were any other special features that I noticed. Of course, it's very fast with either database. I tried it with both, and I had no problems with either one. It looks very stable, and it allows you to configure it from within the program or from a text file. And uh, except for a couple of Perl dependencies, it installed very easily, very quickly, As I said before, I will include those packages you need to install are in the show notes. Now, there's a comment in the chat room questioning whether or not you need CPAN modules to get this thing to work. And the fact is that, yes, you do. Ubuntu and Debian provide a lot of the CPAN packages as packages, and those are the ones that I'm going to include in the show notes. You can use CPAN to include those packages but I recommend that if you're going to use CPAN, you install all Perl packages via CPAN, not using the Debian or Ubuntu package repositories, because if you mix and match them, you're never going to remember which ones you did which way, and it could cause upgrading problems in the future. So it's easier just to use the Debian packages. That way they always get updated when you update your system. And I think that's about all I have to say on YFK log. I'm going to shut up now and... We're going to let Richard talk about CQR. Well, Russ, I was actually wrapped. I was caught up in the moment listening to your description of YFK log. Now I'm going to have to go get it running, y'all, so I can take a look at this. You know, yeah, I like my nice uh, integrated interfaces and stuff, but once again, I've, it's kind of like the way I look at distributions. There's the ones for the shack and the ones for the field and uh that one definitely sounds like one for the field if uh, if we really need it. Put it on a laptop and go. All righty. Well, uh, my contribution to this particular episode is uh, CQR log. I was out uh, looking around last time trying to find some uh, usable log programs that we could uh, bring to y'all. You know, give you give you a taste of what logging software outside of the repositories could be like. I ran across CQR log. Luckily, I had bookmarked it and put it up in the uh, toolbar so I could go back over there. The most recent version is only about a month old. Okay, I understand it's a very low version number. It is version 0.7.0, but it was released on uh, March 9th of uh, this year. So they are actively in development on it, it appears, 
And there's also a little inkling here they may be working on a Windows version. Now, to give you all an idea of what they have to say about it is CQR Log is an advanced ham radio logger based on Firebird database. Provides radio control based on ham live libraries, uh, DX cluster connectivity, QRZ call book, uh, web version, a gray line map, and the QSL manager database, among a whole lot of other features. And this thing, I went this afternoon and downloaded it. It was pretty doggone easy to get up and going. I had to go find a couple of extra things, but other than that, I uncompressed it, loaded it up, and it ran. So let me give you all an idea real quick. Uh, in its default state, when you open it up, it shows you a gray line map, which is graphical. It uh, will show you uh, details and uh, band map and that kind of stuff on uh, the uh, frequencies you're working and that kind of stuff. The uh, preferences file is very easy to get set up, and uh, it even keeps DXCC, Worked All Zones, ITU, and IOTA statistics. IOTA, IOTA, for those of y'all who are unfamiliar, is Islands on the Air, which is one of the ones that, uh, if I ever decide to go that direction on uh, collecting certificates, uh, IOTA is the first one I want to do. It also has a, a DX cluster manager built into it. We've talked about that before. And you can bring up the DX cluster screen and go ahead and log into your favorite cluster and uh, have that running over on the side and be able to flip back and forth to it and uh, see what kind of spots are going on. Of course, we kind of uh, nullified that talking about DX anywhere last week, but that's okay. It's nice to have the functionality. Let me go on in here and uh, take a look at the preferences real quick. Like I said, they're pretty. It's pretty easy and self-explanatory on most of it. You know, the first part of the uh, preferences is about the program, the general program settings. You know, what windows are going to come up when you start it. Whether you need to uh, use a, a proxy to get out, proxy import to get out onto the internet, and that kind of stuff. Station information. Uh, default settings for uh, QSOs when you go to put them in, uh, what kind of columns you want visible for that, date, time, time off, call sign, mode, that kind of stuff, place to set up the different bands you want to be available in the log, and uh, it has several presets, including 5 megahertz, uh, 70 megahertz, which is not a U.S. band, but uh, available in other places, 220 uh, 1.2, all the way up to 10, up to 76 gigahertz of all places. And it also has a little tab where you can, uh, set up, uh, other bands if you're interested. Uh, there is rig control through this program. One of the programs, one of the, uh, library, one of the dependencies for it is HamLive. You do have to have that loaded. Whether you use rig control or not, this program will not run if you don't, do not have HamLive running in your machine. Gives a little information on the bandwidth, QTH profile, export preferences, the way you want your DX cluster to present itself. Like if you're watching the DX cluster and a new country comes up, uh, it'll show in red in the default. If it's a new band for that uh, country, it'll show up in blue. If it's a new mode, it'll show up in uh, green, dark green. And if the QSL is needed, it'll show up in purple. That's the default setup.
Now, there's a place in here also which is always beneficial to me because I'm always running my screen resolution at the wrong size where I can adjust the fonts, make them bigger, make them smaller, because sometimes Richard forgets to wear his glasses when he sits down at the computer. Worked all zones colors are available too. You can modify those. There's information to on uh, getting these colors for uh, IOTA also. I'm sure all these color settings have to do with the DX cluster. And then there's even a place for you to add information on uh, some of the clubs you belong to. And I'm not exactly sure how that works out. I only had a limited amount of time to look at the uh, documentation on this. There's also Logbook of the World support. And for those of you who use uh, use Logbook of the World, most of the better programs on that other system we don't talk about much allow you to access Logbook of the World without actually having to go over to the website, You know, save your stuff over to file, go to the website, go through all the crap, upload it and everything else. Uh, this program actually has Logbook of the World connectivity. It is a, a hot rod login program and these guys even admit one place on the page that you know it's the kind of thing you want if you're a dedicated dx chaser or a ward hunter or uh, you prefer the classic modes like cw and sideband and you really wear it out you want the highest possible number of details on your station on the station that you're working if you want to have a very accurate DXCC zones and IOTA statistics on the fly, once again, EQSL and Logbook of the World connectivity, that kind of stuff, it might be a little advanced. But let me talk real quick about installation on this thing. Like I said, you can go over to their website, which is located at www.cqrlog.com. www.cqr log.com and when you're there you can look down through and read some of the documentation stuff and see if this is right for you now if you go over their download sections they offer three different varieties the source code a a binary and an install package and when you can download those and when you do if you double click on them in ubuntu and i believe it's the same way in debian i remember it being the same way in debian the uh Archive Manager will pop up. When that happens, you just figure out where you're going to place it. You tell it where to place it, it'll take it on over there. And uh, once you have it compressed, there is a install script, which will put everything where it needs to be. But there's also some information you need to read first, which would be the install text file. Now, all it says is install. And when you open it up, what it's going to tell you is that this is CQR log, and you need to make sure that you have this stuff in there and running. And I'll tell you what it basically says. It says no installation required. That means once you get it put where it needs to be, it's ready to go. All you have to do is run the uh, CQR log script. You must have HamLib installed on your system, or it will not run. doesn't matter if you're running radio or not off of the program. Also, you have to have lib stdc plus plus five. Go in there and type that into Synaptic, and we've told y'all to go ahead and try and use Synaptic when you can, because that's going to be the easiest way to find it. In Synaptic, uh, lib stdc plus plus five 
is going to come up when you look when you search for it. Hamlab in Ubuntu, on the other hand, is not going to come up if you type it in in the search engine. What you're looking for is lib, L-I-B, ham, H-A-M, lib, L-I-B, lib, ham, lib. Once you have that in place, then you're going to, you should be able to go back over there, run the startup script, and it'll fire right up for you. It did it for me. But like I said, check out the information on this thing when you're setting it up, as you're going through it. Read all the text files you can. This, I think, is going to be a really good logging program. I'm going to run it for a while and let get back to y'all on it. So, Russ, do you have any questions on CQR log? No, I sure don't. I've been playing around with it while you've been talking. I'm I'm using the Crunchbang again to install it with, and you were talking about libhamlib or libhamlib, whichever you prefer. But uh, I tried libhamlib and it didn't work. It's actually libhamlib2 on Crunchbang, which I assume is the same for any uh, modern variant of Ubuntu. Well, I believe that may be, I believe you may be right on that one. Good catch. I believe what I do have installed on this machine is uh, two, the two version instead of one. Uh, I've also discovered that uh, there's a place for uh, if you're running Slackware, y'all, uh, you can go over under the link which uh, Slackware packages, and they'll have a copy of the Ham library there, uh, the CW daemon, a label printing program, trusted QSL. And X Planet. Oh yes, I forgot about X Planet. I have no idea what it's for. No, I have a little bit of an idea. Guy contacted me about signing my website up on X Planet. It's supposed to be a place you can get information. So apparently there's a, there's an interface to get you in touch with that. But their website is really good. It's pretty well documented. What else you got, Russ? As far as CQR log, I've got nothing. So we've done, uh, YFK log. We've done CQR log. The only thing I can think of that we have left is TLF. So I tried TLF. I went to the website, downloaded what I thought was the latest version, which is, or what I got was 0.9.30, which, if I remember correctly, was released back in June-ish of 2006. And when I went to the site, I found a download directory where there was a slightly newer version, 0.9.31-2. And the release date on that one was, I believe, December of 2007. So even that version is pretty old. Uh, it was written by Rain Cooperus, P-A-0-R. And like I said, the version that I had was dated sometime in 2006, but there was a later version in late 2007. Now, the website makes this thing sound like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's another curses-based application, just like YFK log. It runs in an X term or, uh, you know, uses console graphics. Uh, it has HamLive support or rig control. It also has a live connection to a DX cluster monitor. So you can simultaneously run the logger and get information on DX, DX stations at the same time. It allows you to connect to TNCs for digital communication. 
It can do keying for RIDI and CW and digital modes. Now, that's the good stuff. The bad stuff is I downloaded it and I was able to compile it. It's written either in C or C++. I didn't take a close look at it. I, I was able to get it to compile. There were a few dependencies that I needed to install. Um, there was like the curses libraries, the curses development libraries, and a few other things. I'll have to go back and look up what those things were and put them in the show notes. But once I got it to install, um, I tried to run it, and it uh, crashed on me the first couple of times I tried to run it. And then I did finally get it to start. What happens is when you start it up, it goes immediately into the DX cluster, and you log in and you set up all that information, and then it gives you a colon escape. You type colon to get back into TLF, the logger application. But every time I tried to do that to do anything with the application, it would crash again. So unfortunately, I don't really have anything I can say about TLF logger because I couldn't actually get it to work. I could get it to compile, but not to run. If someone wants to try this out, like I say, you know, go ahead and try it. It may or may not be worth it for you. It is pretty old. It does look very full-featured. It does look simple to use if you can actually get it to work. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to, and so I don't necessarily want to be unfair to the application developer because it probably does great things, and they probably spent a lot of time on it. But I I had, you know, I spent a couple hours on it trying to get it to run, and I couldn't. So that's that's where I am on that. If someone else has a better experience with TLF, I'd certainly like to hear about it, and we can talk about it on a future episode. Yeah, let's go ahead and throw the challenge out there. Any of you guys want to download TF, TLF Logger and give it a test drive and uh, let us know what your experience was, we would be happy to uh, talk about it on the show. But at this time, I, I think that's one of the ones in the repository that uh, I tried out when I was looking for a logging program initially. And uh, then I found out the all I need myself is a very simple logging program. So the one I was running over on the uh, other operating system, I was able to bring it up under Wine on, on Linux. All righty. Well, we've done our bit on the logging software. Uh, Russ is going to have a whole bunch of new stuff to tell y'all after I shut up, but let me go ahead and get this in there first. If you need to get in touch with me, if you have show suggestions, want to throw money, want to contact me in any way other than hate mail, which goes to Russ, you can get a hold of me at kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com. Or follow me on Twitter. I'm picking up a lot of followers now. A lot of folks that uh, haven't even put out their first tweet yet. Of course, unfortunately, I think they're probably going to try and sell me something. But that's okay. Y'all come on down. I will weed out the bad ones. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com stroke kb5jbv or visit the forums over at blacksparrowmedia.com. We have a set of forums over there for Linux in the Ham Shack. We also have a set for Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. And the guy that runs that show, I have it on good authority that he's a pretty good fellow, so y'all might want to go check him out also. Over to you, Russ. Okay, if you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at k5tux at blacksparrowmedia.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's twitter.com stroke jrwoodman. And you can follow the program's updates at twitter.com stroke hamshacklinux. 
feel free to contact us in any way about any questions or comments. You can comment on the website at blacksparrowmedia.com, stroke LHS. We've got a donation button put up over there now. If you would like to send a dollar or two here or five dollars or anything you can spare, everything we get will go directly into improving the program in some way. There's a lot of things we'd like to do, and if we get some funding or whatever, we will put it towards that. Definitely want to thank Bob, WD4BOB, for jumping in here tonight and talking with us about Crunchbang Linux. So if you want to say a few final parting words, Bob, we'll let you do that, and then we'll jump on out of here. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed being here. If anybody uh, wants to go and read my review, Again, they can read it at uh, WD4BOB.com. We're on Twitter as well at uh, Twitter.com stroke WD4BOB. And we can be reached over here with email if you have comments or suggestions for our website at uh, Bob at WD4BOB.com. All right, sounds good. So thanks for being here, Bob, and I'll let, let Richard jump in. Thank you for from his heart, and we'll jump on out of here. Bob, thank you for showing up. Keith, thanks for being here. Tony, thanks for being here. And with that... I'm Richard in the bunker down here in Balch Springs, Texas. And I'm Russ up in north central Arkansas, and that's Bob over there in Tampa, Florida. And we'll catch you all in a couple of weeks. Bye now. Bye now.